0: What is up, Texas Sports Unfiltered, folks? Yes, this is hour number four in terms of four straight hours of live programming on the YouTube channel, also the app, the free app that you can get in your app store through Apple or Android, merely by searching Texas Sports Unfiltered. I am Trey Elling, part of Midday with Trey and BK, alongside my friend, the great Kevin Dunn, who of course is also an instrumental part of this channel. And we are, I think as of this week, I don't think we did so last week, but as of this week, going forward, KD, doing at least two episodes per week. And our plan is Tuesdays and Thursdays most week. And so here we are, show one of week number three on the YouTube channel.
1: So I did, BK did drop off a mic and I was testing it earlier, and I couldn't hear as I'm using the new mic. So I know people have said, hey, get Kevin a mic. We got me a mic. I'll figure that out after the show. I tried to troubleshoot before this show, but, you know, my troubleshooting with technology usually ends up in me not fixing stuff.
0: To uh, to do a little bit of uh, off-air chatter on the air, can you hear me okay right now, though?
1: Yeah, I can. I had to unplug the new mic, so... The new mic does work, but I couldn't hear, and I didn't want to throw in. I, I don't want to do this with headphones. I'm done with headphones. I've had headphones since I was 15. No com- more headphones for me.
0: Completely agreed. I think it makes more sense if you are in person, so you can really hear the other person and yourself speak. But in a situation like this, with the ability to cancel echo out and additional noises, yeah, that that is not an issue at all. So happy to roll with the punches today, and... You sound. I was actually going to say the mic is making a little bit of a difference. There's a little bit less of an echo, but I'm going to come over there with some studio foam and really get that get that yeah, uh, room worked up well.
1: Probably pour out my apple juice too. God knows what you're going to do. Well, That's I uh, kind of
0: <laughs> I still begrudge you for those Doritos you gave my kids two years ago. Those four Doritos each.
1: Uh, I had people laugh with me about that, and you were really cool. But I could tell. I just know you so well. I could tell inside that you were you were burning a little bit. And I didn't ask you either. So they were hungry. By the way, those kids, seagulls couldn't have eaten that bowl of Doritos any quicker than those kids did. They've been starved. Uh, They were looking for the type of junk food that most of us live on.
0: I give the evil eye, but I promise you it is not intentional. It's like chris jackson or mahmoud abdul Rauf blinking back in the day it's just what i do when i see junk food around my kids i have accepted that they love ketchup uh, and part of me feels like it is them spiting me because i hate ketchup so much but i i get that they need to be kids in a sense we just can't overdo it and just uh add to the uh to the fatness issue that is plaguing america and really the world too
1: Chris Jackson, when he was still Chris Jackson, one of the best college point guards, underrated college point guards I've ever seen. If you had the new NBA rules when Mahmoud abdul raouf was playing with the Nuggets, he would he would have been wouldn't have been at this level, but he would have been a not too much poor, but a poor poor version of of Steph.
0: You interviewed him on the old radio show and asked him specifically about that and he lamented the fact that he was probably born in the wrong decade for that reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you wouldn't be you can't touch these guys now cuz right. Steph Steph wouldn't have been able to survive. And I think he's phenomenal and I also think there's a mix probably between old rules and new rules, probably closer to the newer ones. But yeah, no, Chris Jackson was Stanley Roberts, Shaq and to show you how loaded college basketball was back then, I I don't think they ever got past the Sweet 16.
0: I think you're right about that, and part of it may have been, although he did make it to the NBA Finals as a rookie, is Shaq still being really raw as a basketball player, too. Very like, much so. Everybody saw what the potential was, but Chris Jackson lit college hoops on fire with how good of a score he was, and obviously... That Stanley Roberts was on that team too.
1: Yeah, Stanley Roberts was the wow. bigger prospect of the two big men that that LSU had. He, he was he was seven three. I want to say was more talented than Shaq. Shaq just got better obviously as it went along in his junior year. You could just feel it, especially when he's running the court and finishing off with flushes.
0: All right. Well, Texas had some good basketball teams back then as well. Uh, but we're not going to talk about uh, Texas basketball of days gone by, yes, sir.
1: I do have one thing for you. you have you cooled off? Because I heard you talk about it with BK—the incident at uh, the coffee shop—and I love how you and I are. We will always we'll call each other about a lot of stuff, but we're the first one to always call. Because you know, if you call Justine on that first call, you may not get the affirmation that you're looking for. But you know, you and I can't grow up and still pick little battles like that in the middle of the day with society that of course I had your back.
0: I was fighting that battle for everyone in that coffee shop and everyone who would have to (laughs) enter a coffee shop that she would be in going forward. And yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I need to find the ear of somebody who's going to sympathize with that, with my plight in the immediate aftermath. And you could hear it in my voice. You could hear how pissed and worked up I was that this, unfortunate soul is a nice way to refer to her who has zero self-awareness and was clearly never taught boundaries by her parents. Thought it was okay for her overweight lab to just splay out in the middle of the walkway of this coffee shop, standing between the doorway or laying between the doorway and a person's ability to get to the register, just to place their order and pay for their coffee She thought it was cute. It wasn't cute. It was annoying. And she needs to figure out that she's better off not treating places like her living room when it's public spaces that a bunch of random people are going to be at that don't necessarily want to be dealing with her dog. And by the way, this isn't a dog hatred thing. I have two dogs at home. Everybody loves dogs. One of them that I love. By the way, it depends on the dog too, by the way. I'm not going to say I love all dogs. It's just like with any and everything else in this world. It depends on the individual. Some dogs suck. Some dogs are awesome. Same goes with cats. Same goes with humans. But in this particular situation, it was less about the dog and much more about just how inconsiderate she was being to her fellow humans
1: couple things one i agree with agree with all what you said about her but there are a lot of people in society that are roaming around and as long as they're they mean well you should probably try and give them a little of a break or some leeway she needed to get called out for that uh so i'm with you on that it was a lab labs may be with golden retrievers the sweetest species on earth like or form of that species or any species that that they are it's probably not going to bite you. It, it wasn't a, a pit bull not to throw any shade at them. Oh, Kevin, you're creating the stereotype. No, stereotype's been around. Okay, just talking about it. But, so that's one. Two, I think the only difference in my small maturation compared to you with us blowing up on society is on the third or fourth go around on the way out when you just knocked her out Tyson style, maybe just go ahead and swallow it and say you have a nice day too verbally
0: verbally there was no physical <laughs> altercation all verbal on the way verbal, out as, after i got my coffee and was heading towards the door she said well i still hope you have a nice day and i turned to her and said well i hope you have a nice day too but more importantly i hope you gain an ounce of awareness to understand that this is not your living room this is a coffee shop and turned I'm around to walk that. out And by the way, you're right about it being a lab. If that was a German shepherd or a a bull mastiff or a pit bull that was laying there in front of me, I would have turned to her after asking whose dog is this and said, boy, that's a really cute dog you have, miss. (laughs) And definitely not (laughs) stepped over it out of fear that it would have bit me in the
1: crotch. She's going to send some verbal signal. German shepherds are so smart. He could have heard your tone towards her and gotten pissed and grabbed one of your testicles. And you and I would just be a pair.
0: Well, even this fat, lazy lab stood up at the end there and I was like, wait a second, what's going on? Is my owner being attacked? She overfeeds (laughs) me, so I'm loyal to her right now.
1: Well, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So I'm glad you've cooled off because when you were calling me, I could hear your breathing was different.
0: Yeah, my breathing, there was probably a little bit of a shake in my voice from the adrenaline, too. Like, I don't like getting into public altercations.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that.
0: I promise you, even though it happens to me more often than it does a lot of people, I don't look forward to that. But sometimes it is a necessary evil to uh, try and talk some sense into somebody. But as soon as she said, stop talking to me like a child, one, I knew that her parents never gave her boundaries, but two, yeah. I knew that anything else that I said to her would fall on deaf ears, which speaks to your point that I probably just needed to tell her, have a nice day and walk out and not fire that one last shot off.
1: Probably, but you're growing. Not really, but whatever.
0: No, I'm a, I'm a big man, baby.
1: Before we get to Texas, what did Justine say about that interaction? Um I know she wasn't oh. surprised, but what'd she say about it? She knows she married. She just shook her head. Like she knows. <laughs> she knows
0: look, she knows it's ridiculous for people to have dogs in all of these Agreed. random public places. Yep. Where it's not a service dog. Th- this needs to be the rule going forward. If you want to bring your dog into coffee shops, into restaurants, into grocery stores on airplanes, it needs to have that service dog vest, and you need to have some sort of uh paper or literature letting people know that this is a certified service animal because otherwise yeah. it is people making the excuse that they need some special needs creature when the reality is is that uh, they just need to gain a little bit of confidence here and they don't necessarily need it to, uh, for a forewarning that they're about to have a seizure or some sort of di- diabetic
1: issue. Well, you and I both grew up like most people with dogs. And love them. I don't know how you don't. I love oh. the whole binary because I like cats too. You're a cat guy. Well, I'm glad to see we're in third grade here. What's your favorite color? Um <laughs> no, you can actually you probably should like both and most animals, but dogs, especially. Like they're they're for the most part very sweet beings, right? You don't need to be in a grocery store. Um, you don't need to be at, at any place like that. Any, anywhere you're serving food. Like, keep the dog at home. Sorry. Like, you're not Paris Hilton here. And it, keep the dog at home. Patio at Shoal Creek, yes. at Shoal Creek, when I'm taking a leak, no.
0: So here's where I have to admit that I have two dogs, and I only really care for one of the two. But in my defense... The other dog is, I'm pretty sure, somewhere on the uh, the autism spectrum. If autism exists for dogs, and it is a sober reminder for me each and every day, as I'm having to deal with this skittish dog that, in a lot of ways, acts more like a cat—not in a good way—that special needs humans are truly special, thus the name. It is truly a wonderful thing to have somebody like that in your life. I have relatives who are that. And uh, they are some of my favorite people on the planet. Special needs dog, not such a special thing. More really fucking annoying most of the time.
1: Agreed. I would also argue that most dogs are on the spectrum and way on it. It's why I like them.
0: (laughs) Fair retort there. All right, let's get to some Texas football talk now because there were some all American lists that came out over these last few days. Let's start with the AP All-American team. We see a couple of Longhorns on the second team. Maybe not who you would guess, though, based on uh, NFL draft projections. Well, one of the guys, I guess, based on NFL draft projections. But I feel like you and I talked about this a couple of days ago. If there's anybody that has an argument for All-American consideration on this year's Texas roster, taking into account that JT Sanders is behind Brock Bowers, Uh, at that tight end position. But this is uh, first and second team that we got to see today that it may be somebody like JT Sanders, maybe a Kelvin Banks, maybe a Jalen Ford. Well, according to the AP All-American team, Texas has two second-team All-Americans right now in the preseason. That would be Kelvin Banks and Xavier Worthy. I get Kelvin Banks, KD, but uh, Xavier Worthy is a bit of a head-scratcher for me. I understand how good he was as a true freshman, but it was a pretty drop-off last year. He has a lot to prove this season, but he also uh, has a better cast of receivers around him, too.
1: Yeah, but that also could help him out because I'm with you. If you go off off last year in production and drops and everything, no, you wouldn't put him second team All-American. He goes back to his freshman year. It goes to people think this whole offense as a whole is going to be so complete, and you've got different guys that complement each other on the outside. You've got JT Sanders. If you're ever going to have a position group with everything else you feel like is settled, And you've got three guys who haven't played much, but are really talented running back running backs is a spot to go. Right. We've seen so many true freshman running backs come in and look at Ohio state with Henderson a couple years ago and so many guys around them and they can be incredibly impactful. So I think it's more about what people saw his freshman year. I mean, he's got first round talent and first round Twitch. So I, I, that's a little bit of a gamble. You're not going to put, if you're going to, grab another Texas guy, you wouldn't put 80 Mitchell on there. I think this is more thinking that Texas is a top five receiver room. And this is the guy you don't put 80 Mitchell because of the injuries. You don't put Nair because of that. So I, I think that's, that's kind of what they're leaning on, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I would have put Sanders ahead of him as a second team guy.
0: Yeah. And the second team tight end. And I apologize if I mispronounced the name here is a Syracuse tight end or Gadson. Mm-hmm. So apparently Rondé Gatson looked at by the AP voters is better at tight end than JT Sanders right now. Ultimately, you're right. Xavier Worthy not only has uh, first round athleticism, but also a certain toughness about him too as an undersized wide receiver. The one question that I have, because this was even an issue uh, during his true freshman campaign is I don't know if he has first round hands. He led the big 12 in drops granted that was with, more targets than a lot of guys were receiving. And that drops issue was uh, clearly a factor last season too.
1: Yeah, no, that he's going to have to answer that. He's proven with some routes. He's a great route runner. The jerk route that he runs on the goal line, I mean, that—that that, that's NFL level when he's run that. And so it's about hands for him and consistency. And so if he shows that this year, he probably will be. I mean, the Devontae Smiths of the world have helped him out being that diminutive and and still being able to actually gets back to our Chris Jackson argument. Can't put your hands on them anymore. I mean, there, there are receivers that never would have seen the light of day because they're on the IR. They could just never get off the line of scrimmage where every sport, all three major sports have done everything they can with the rules changes to help out who the offense.
0: It's actually amusing to me considering that, that soccer hasn't taken more consideration to loosening up their offside rules. And I get it. I understand soccer purists. I am speaking evil right now. But imagine how much more enjoyable this sport would be if you completely eliminate offsides when the ball is in that larger goal box and you turn it into a more of a free-for-all. Yeah, you're going to lose those one nothing games or those 0-0 ties, the beneficial tie for one team, but you probably get more 4-3 games or 5-2 games. More goals scored is not necessarily a bad thing in a sport that is desperate for more action versus stuff that almost happened.
1: I will, I think that's a great point. And as someone who's not, never been a soccer guy or a hockey guy, I'll get into why here in a little bit, I, where i finally figured it out i think what the the main issue was subconsciously with me just watching it but i will give soccer credit for not bending because i think those other three sports have been bending too much just let's get more people involved no let's get this a private society damn it oh wait you don't make money doing that but soccer and hockey i was trying to figure it out why did i never get into them why can't i get into them I think naturally growing up with football, basketball, and baseball being the sports I loved, the sports I played, in all three of those sports, you don't give up possessions, mm. right? For free. Yeah. So you got a punt, man. What about an intentional walk? No, about... no, 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 no. Nobody grabs a rebound and launches it to the other side of the court saying, hey, man, I had to clear the court, all right? Like, you know, clear the puck and all that. And I understand. I mean, I do understand enough that that is part of the good strategy. For me, though, just giving up. I'm just going to kick the ball down there Let's just get it down there. You're giving up a possession? What are you doing?
0: Yeah, if you're doing it in hockey, you're doing it out of desperation because uh, your team is exhausted and has is having an impossible time regaining possession. So you basically have to knock it down to the other end and ice the puck. And the result of that in hockey, by the way, this just speaks to how uh, how much of a, a tough guy sport hockey is, is that those guys who are already dog-tired have to stay back out there until they can actually get the puck back, too. I like that. I like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. It. Or, or if you're up a lot, and like you said, or maybe you're shorthanded, you clear it. I understand there's strategy with it, but just that's always been hard for me to wrap my head around. But I'm not very bright, so. uh
0: Disagree with that one. All right, as far as some of those All-American teams are concerned, Sporting News has Jalen Ford as a first-team All-American linebacker. Glad to see him getting a little bit of love. He obviously got screwed out of uh, Defensive Player of the Year honors in the conference last season and hasn't received a ton of uh, All-American love so far this year either. So kudos to the Sporting News for recognizing that talent.
1: I don't. He's think got a I, nose for the ball, man. It's right. another guy we worked with who I think the world of. And is just so locked in and is, I think, enjoying being the three star, whatever he was, but unheralded, certainly for a Texas recruit. Uh, He's got a nose for the football. And we talk about guys like that, whether it was an Nathan Vasher or a Honey Badger or an Earl Thomas, that guys like that, it's hard to describe. And we played with guys like that yard football or middle school or even high school. Right. That never went on to do much, but man, their talent level, or at least their 40 time or whatever, didn't match up with their production. Their production was a lot higher because instinctually, they just, they they know what they're doing.
0: And the freshman All-American team was announced, or a freshman All-American team, I should say, by On3 a little bit earlier on. And there was one Longhorn on this list which I guess isn't all that surprising. I mean, Texas had a really good recruiting class, but we've only really been hearing about one guy going back to the spring making plays when it matters most in the practice setting, which is obviously a loaded statement. But that would be Anthony Hill coming in at one of the first-team freshman All-American linebackers, according to ON3. But it does beg what I think is a relevant question for this football team right now, Kevin, And that is, which true freshman are you most excited about making some sort of impact this year? Because even though the obvious guy is Anthony Hill, there are other dudes on this roster now who have been making plays here and there going back to spring, but also continuing some of those things with fall practice happening now.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, let's also remember that that it's a good thing not to have too many freshman All-Americans. Right. Because that means they're not playing that much and they're not that significant. They can be a, a nice piece to your team, but they're not going to be. Jamal Charles was technically the third string running back for the 05 team as a freshman. Yeah. Now, he ended up starting, and I would say was the best, but you had, uh, what was it, Selvin and um, and Ramon's in front of him.
0: Yeah, with a healthy program like, what, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, the big blue blood programs out there right now, Ohio State, Michigan, you mentioned uh, an exception at running back with Ohio State earlier but true freshman who can actually provide you significant minutes is found money more than it is something being done out of necessity
1: yeah no i'm with you on that so and there's only so many you know the the i say this on the radio all the time hey we had three freshman all Americans we're moving in the right direction probably not cuz we had three and they had 27 guys to choose from so they picked 22 okay it, there, are, I've seen a lot of freshman All-Americans who end up never becoming All-Conference once they once they become upperclassmen. So always kind of be careful with that. But I'm going to give you a name because if they still do it the way they they used to, because they have to, because getting back to the volume, there's not enough guys to choose from. I'm going to give you one because I think definitely see Anthony Hill super fired up about him. Heard you and BK talking about him in a Micah Parsons type role off the edge in obvious third 19 situations and really let him get uphill and, or downhill and, and, and cause some issues. Malik Muhammad, obviously we'll see how that plays out, but if he's forced in there and is really has to play, he could easily be one. Um, Jonte cook could be one. The one guy I would say though, cause I believe he's, I believe so. So correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's still a red shirt freshman. And he may have played more than four games last year, so maybe not. Ethan Burke? I believe
0: Ethan Burke is a redshirt freshman right now, yes.
1: Okay, he's a guy then who could really play well. And I will give myself a little credit. I was the first person, I think, in the, in the world with a microphone in front of him who was saying, Ethan Burke, Texas should give Ethan Burke a ride. This is before Michigan gave him a ride. I watched every Westlake game, him and Vasek, and Burke was a Maryland uh, lacrosse recruit, one of the top five lacrosse players in the country, and I couldn't believe he wasn't getting serious D1 rides. Michigan gives him one, then Texas. I can't wait to see what his body looks like because he was a perfect example of Aiden Hutchinson was the best-case ceiling that I gave, but Aiden Hutchinson early on at Michigan was not thought to be the second pick overall. Mm. And to be the stud that he became and is right now that if you put good muscle on this guy, there's a natural bend, almost like his lacrosse skill set comes into play very cerebral because he's white, of course, um, coach on the field. No, Mm -hmm. but I mean a very smart player reading the ball and everything. And I think Burke could be that guy if he's a redshirt freshman. I, I didn't even look at that. So.
0: Well, the lacrosse background ensures that Bill Belichick will spend a draft pick or at the very right. least take exactly. a flyer on him at some point. What is it about a lacrosse background that is uh, so well suited for football? I know you just mentioned the bend. Is it the bend? Is it the fact that they're not afraid to use their hands to, uh, to gain positioning? What is it that translates so well?
1: I don't know cross well, but talking to people, I think that's it—the bend, um, the agility, and then using your hands the way you do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big part of it. You guys, you know, chime in. Any you guys, any lacrosse players who know a little bit more than we do on that? But yeah, that's. Um, That's a good question. I want to get yours. Who's yours? Do you have one freshman All-American, one person that you're looking at? You
0: named most of the guys that I think will most likely have some sort of impact, especially early on. And watch out for Malik Muhammad. I mean, he continues to make plays in practice, but also in those scrimmage settings. So the scrimmage is a step closer to the game atmosphere, obviously. And if he is making plays in that setting, then I am ready to see what he can actually do when the snaps truly matter. I'm a little bit surprised we haven't heard more about Derek Williams Mm -hmm. in fall practice because uh, people have a ton of confidence that he's going to eventually be really good at the safety position. Now, the good news is that they don't need him right now to your original point, but uh, I'll be interested to see how things play out for him this year. But one other guy that I don't know if he makes the biggest impact, but he will have some sort of impact early on. That is CJ Baxter. Yeah. who is uh, the top-rated running back recruit in last year's class. Came in maybe a little bit light, has done a great job with the offseason strength and conditioning program, has put out on some positive weight, probably not where he needs to be ultimately to be that bell cow. They don't need him to be the bell cow right now, though. They need him to come in and maybe spill a, a spell a Jonathan Brooks or uh, come in for blue, Jaden Blue. But uh, C.J. Baxter not only has uh, a lot of power that he runs with, but he's also shown some shiftiness in fall camp that has has people really licking their chops to see what he's capable of when he uh, does get the rock in a given situation. It may start out in short yardage situations early on, but don't be surprised to see him break off some big runs Uh, in other spots much like Jonathan Brooks did at times last year when given an opportunity he made the most of it I think we'll see the same out of CJ Baxter throughout the 2023 season
1: Jonathan Brooks in in little time has looked really good feel good about him we'll see when he gets a full workload and is the guy or one of the guys you mentioned Baxter good to hear that and then Keelan Robinson where is your worry level on the running back room
0: worry in terms of what
1: that they're not going to be as good as probably not as good as the running back room last year, but they're going to be a spot where we look at and say, man, you know, there was a lot of other stuff set up and those guys, whether it's vision, ball security, whatever, just didn't, didn't live up to their talent.
0: If I hadn't seen Jonathan Brooks do what he did in mop up time against backups for scrub competition in the regular season in the bowl game, I would be a little bit worried right now, but I think he is capable of being (laughs) the primary guy in the running back room this year, and I think that uh, all three or four dudes, if you want to throw blue into the mix, do slightly different things that really complements the other guys. Obviously, Keelan Robinson is somebody that you give a little bit more of a limited playbook to, but you let him use that athleticism in a variety of ways, that Swiss army knife, if you will. Occasionally, it's more... uh, more of that standard backfield look. But he is a guy who uh, who can break a big play at, at a moment's notice. Uh, I think Jaden Blue does some similar things to what Jonathan Brooks does. He's a, a little bit slighter frame, and I think he is maybe slightly more explosive. But Jonathan Brooks can b- break off big runs, too, as we saw throughout last season and in the bowl game. And then C.J. Baxter, back to the found money comment. He's, he's a guy who... Uh, stepping into, I think, most roles or most of what is asked out of the running backs can, uh, can do an adequate to good version of that, too. So I'm encouraged. Obviously, it's not going to be what last year and the last couple of years have been at the running back position with Bijan Robinson, literally one of the all time best to have played that position at Texas. And then Roshan Johnson, who would have started at so many schools last year and was one of, if not the biggest vocal leader uh, on the roster last season, Like they're not going to be those guys, but they will be okay. And I also know that Steve Sarkeesian has made it a point of emphasis throughout his time as a head coach and offensive coordinator to find a guy to get 1,000 yards on the ground. And Jonathan Brooks is obviously the uh, most obvious candidate to, uh, to acquire that.
1: Yeah. You know, we've talked about the receivers the last couple of shows, and it's funny just to show you how loaded they are. I never remember Texas having a receiving core this good. The closest one, you were right, would be Roy, BJ, Sloan, Tony, Jeffrey, Shanahan, that whole group Scafe. And that's probably pretty comparable. I had issues with the scheme Texas was running back then. So I, I worried about that. Um, shout out GD. But I... It's funny. I haven't mentioned Jordan Whittington and Whittington and Mm. Keelan Robinson are two guys And I love Whittington. I mean, Jay Witt is, is uh, talk about a legit person who's 22 going on 35 in terms of maturity, but Robinson and Whittington, this is where Sark can have so much fun. Those guys are gadgets. Those guys are toys. You can have them zigzagging in the flats, quick screens, Jet sweeps, you can do so many different things with both those guys. And I don't know if they're going to need to this year, but let's not sleep on Keelan Robinson.
0: Yeah, I, I like that thought. And uh, I'm with you on Jordan Whittington too. There were times last year where I wish they were just pumping him the football for the sake of uh, helping themselves win games versus Quinn I don't want to call it a give up, but he was doing nothing but locking on Xavier Worthy and throwing incomplete passes. Xavier Worthy's way. Jordan Whittington has shown when he's healthy over these last few years that he can be the dude. Now, that's been a, a loaded sentiment there, obviously, because Jordan Whittington had a hard time staying healthy through his first couple of years here in Austin, but he was healthy for a majority of last season, and I think it was worth testing to see if he could handle a little bit more. Hopefully the injury issues are behind him. I know a lot of people worried coming out of high school that uh, he would have a hard time staying on the field because uh, I think it was a relative or a trainer that was a power lifter that had him doing a lot of power lifting uh, through his high school teenage years, and that that kind of threw his body out of whack. But credit to Tory Beckham and, and the uh, the strength and conditioning staff because I think they uh, they figured out a way to uh, to really unlock him and make sure that he would be as healthy as humanly possible uh, for the football season. That was evident last year, and it uh, will fingers crossed be evident again once again this year because he is not having to carry too large a load because that wide receiver room is so loaded now with Xavier Worthy, uh, Whittington, of course, A.D. Mitchell, who I think is going to end up as the number one wide receiver on this team. Kevin mentioned Jonte Cook, the true freshman, has been making plays and turning heads going back into the spring. And then you also have uh, some younger dudes who are maybe a little bit forgotten about right now, who are also champing at the bit to show what they're capable of. Casey Kane is one of those guys. He had some good moments last year. He also had some not-so-great moments, but those can be uh, great as a learning experience and uh, understanding uh, how to handle the pressure of a given situation. So it should be exciting to see what this Texas offense is capable of on the whole in 2023, and we haven't even talked about Quinn Ewers and the uh, major steps forward that he has hopefully taken not just this offseason, but going back to that time between the end of the regular season and the bowl game too a completely different person on the field, and he has only continued uh, with that positive attitude and making sure he is focused on the task at hand heading into this upcoming football season. Kevin?
1: Sorry about that, Internet. My Internet is always good here, and I don't know what happened, but it said it went down, so...
0: All good, buddy. Hey, uh, you were uh, telling me in pre-show about uh, the Texas Rangers and how they completely blew a game last night. I saw the final and extras. They lose what feels like a fourth straight, maybe something like six out of seven. And their lead continues to dwindle in the AL West because both the Astros and Mariners won last night.
1: Yeah, and the Rangers are on a season high now, five-game losing streak every time I thought that they were gonna really just kind of go back to the middle and and they're still ahead of of where they should be they uh they've been able to answer and I thought they were gonna do that last night they uh, Jordan Montgomery pitched a great game for them I, I thought that'd be a good pickup but him and Stratton have been good and Montgomery had eight shutout innings they're playing Arizona who's in in this and Arizona is And there's there's more teams in Major League Baseball in my lifetime that I'm interested in watching, whether they're a shit show like the Yankees, like the White Sox, like the Padres, like the who am I forgetting? Uh, Even the Cardinals. I there's just a lot of teams that are fun to watch and a lot of them that we didn't see coming, whether it's the Orioles or the Diamondbacks, who've got a lot of a lot of fun, young talent, Corbin Carroll at the top of the list. And so they're playing the diamondbacks. So this means a lot for both teams. Like the diamondbacks don't have the U-Hauls packed yet. Like they're 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 still in this thing. And Adolis Garcia has been swinging at fastballs out of the zone in August at a 47% clip. Oh. He's been chasing way too much. So Boach gave him a day off. I think it worked because it's scoreless going into the top of the ninth. And Adolis hits one out. Well, look at that. One nothing. We're going to get out of here. Montgomery's got the great start. We're about to give the ball to This Chapman who he's beefed up. Um, and but he's back to himself. He's been great this year. And that it's was, a high protein diet. It's a high protein diet. I got it. Um and you know, he's blowing 102, spotting his fastball. And for some reason, there's one out. And Catel Marte comes up. And Jonah Heim, who's back now, who I think is a very good catcher, puts down the splitty, the splitty, split finger. All right, man, we're going to start the at-bat off with that. If you're going to be either up or down, spike it. We'll go 1-0. If he chases because he's looking 1-0-2, great. Do not put this thing in the strike zone. It could not have been a more lollipop split finger at 92 when Marte takes it out to left. So it's 1-1. I think you're two outs away, man. If Marte sits back on a four-seamer at 102 and lets it travel and barrels it up to right into the pool, you got us. We're tied. You beat, you beat, you beat one of the best fastball relievers in the history of the game with his good stuff on the outside half. Way to go. But he gets a split. I could tell CJ Nikowski was just thinking, why'd they throw that? Well, it goes into extra innings. The Rangers go up 3-1 in the 11th, and then they go to Will Smith, who I got to be honest, I just don't like Will Smith's stuff. Uh, I know he's been good, but he's one of those guys that his numbers are better than what my eyeballs tell me.
0: He peaked in the early 1990s. <laughs> Not that Will Smith. Oh, sorry. Not that
1: Will Smith. No, their no, they're bull, they're bullpen other than this Chapman. This one didn't screw over the DJ, okay?
0: <laughs> their bullpen other than Chapman is not very good. Like, I know they went out and made some deals, and these deals also included relievers, but I thought, you know, as much work as they did to improve their starting staff, which they needed to do, they needed to put a similar effort into trying to shore up that bullpen if they were going to be able to compete in October.
1: So there's a guy on third. There's two outs. You're up 3-1, Okay. You're facing Cattell Marte. You're not facing Barry Bonds here. All right? Go ahead and and go ahead and pitch to this guy. If he hits one out, another one. Don't throw him a 92, although, hell, Smith's splitter would probably be, if he has one, 82 or 72. And pitch to him, okay? Be careful with him, but pitch to him. They intentionally walk the tying run to 1st I just felt like it was bad baseball all around. Marte barely gets a lead. I'm not even sure if Jonah Himes is going to throw down, but he doesn't steal. Anyway, Guys on guy on third, first, two outs. You're up 3-1. Next guy comes up, hits a ball to right field. So it's 3-2 now. Guy's on second and third. And then uh, Tommy Pham came up and hit a line shot over Simeon. You lose. I mean, those. it's just the type of game I know that stung them. I, I could hear Jordan in the postgame. That's the type of game when you've got a four-game losing streak, you're about to snap it against what could be a playoff team. You're up 1-0. nothing. All right, bad choice on the split finger. You're up 3-1. We intentionally walk this guy. Two, two batters later, you're done. Like, you just can't – it felt like bad baseball, and that's a well-coached team that plays good baseball. I watch them almost every night, and this one, when they really needed it, uh, you gotta get that one.
0: Yeah, that's especially frustrating because Bruce Bochy is one of the all-time great managers because he is so good situationally.
1: Yeah, he is. Exactly. Exactly. No, but Bo- Boch has done a great job. They've got arguably the best pitching coach with Dave Duncan and like four or five other guys and Mike Maddox there. I think JD did a good job of handing it off to Chris Young, who's been great as a GM. That is a you know, a well-run organization and, and from top to bottom. And they just, you know, it's going to happen. I mean, it, there, there are times where you're going to make bad decisions and, and you just kind of run into it. But I'll be curious to see how they rebound tonight because they need to. I mean, the five-game losing streak, the Astros, not just the Astros, the Mariners are on their heels now. The Mariners have been red hot.
0: Yeah, who's the young guy that everybody's uh, that everybody's going crazy over? Julio Rodriguez is that the Mariners player?
1: Julio Rodriguez and I, if Mark DeRosa. Did, I think Mark DeRosa is the best baseball analyst um, as a player in the game. I would say that Brian Kinney is probably your best baseball announcer or studio host in the game. But I watch MLB a lot, and I watch DeRosa, Robert Flores, the old CBS guy um, on on the morning show when I can. And DeRosa was getting into Rodriguez, really having. I'm going to get too baseball y here, but you brought it up. So deal with it. But he he was really trying to almost inside out stuff and letting the ball travel too much a lot of the year. And he was not doing what he should do, which you don't want to always be bailing and wailing, but got to get that bat head on. And you can't, you got to let them know, hey, man, middle and middle in, you can't mess with me there, even with Velo. And he's gone back there. I don't know if you saw DeRosa. Harold Reynolds also did a segment about it. And since that, two or three weeks ago, he has been the hottest hitter in the world. He has just been hitting everything. But they've got other guys, too. They've got the Ty Francis of the world, Cal Raleigh. Uh, they've got some guys who most people wouldn't know, even in baseball. That is a well, well put together team. And the sum is probably better than what we think the individual parts are.
0: You mentioned the Orioles surprising a lot of people this year, Kevin. And uh, it's been a great story. They have the second best record in baseball as it stands after the Atlanta Braves. And for Orioles fans who have suffered for through so much bad baseball for literally decades, it feels like, uh, this is a, a nice bit of justice to finally get to root for a winning club for at least one year. But unfortunately, based on the comments of their owner, John Angelos, it sounds like it may not last uh, beyond much more than a year.
1: No, John Angelos, won. he suspended the, the play-by-play guy for, I mean, the most ridiculous soft bullshit you've ever seen in your life. Stupid. Really stupid. And, the, you know, Baltimore fans, I mean, first off, can you imagine living in that city? Wags, I love you, and God bless y'all. But living in that city for the last 20 to 25 years, like what a lot of the cities are going through right now, they've been going through it forever. They're like, "Welcome to the club, <laughs> yeah. join it." Um, I mean, that's a that's a that's a uh, a resilient group. So I mean that as a compliment. People yeah, De- there. Detroit.
0: Detroit thinks Baltimore is a shithole. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. I don't know how you guys deal with that. Uh, you want some water? But yeah, I mean, so Detroit's been through all types of shit, and yeah, they'd probably look at Baltimore and just think, "Whoa." But but uh, it's a resilient fan base. And so I love that they had that guy's back and they have they've done, you know, they haven't showed up maybe all the time, but they've had a bunch of losers on there. Angelos, his son, because Peter Angelos is the owner, the 94 year old. So God knows where he is right now, just mentally. Hmm. But John Angelos, the son, talked to was it the Post or the Times? I forgot who it was and pretty much said, I'm glad you're enjoying it, but don't expect us to sign any of these guys. Woe is me being an owner in a small market. Oh, yeah. Woe is you. One, you could sell that, even the Oreos, for a billion dollars right now, and you'll be fine. And your dad bought them for like one hundred sixty-five, $165, $165 million in the early 90s. I'm sure you guys are doing okay. So maybe you can't give Adley Rutschman 350, but the numbers he was throwing out there. And then he tried to get into, not that I'm any business by any means, but when I'm reading it and looking and going, what are you talking about? Like, do you know what supply and demand are? Cause 'cause then he got into, well, I don't really know what, how, if our prices are right at the ballpark, but either way, we're going to have to raise them significantly. Like, well, well, first off, there's no reason to talk right now, man. Like, what are you even talking about this for? Let, let them enjoy this.
0: Yeah, he's like the owner in the movie Major League, where it's like he's trying to derail There's the team talk. by creating these stupid distractions. And by the way, the, uh, the broadcasting thing did become a distraction because the players yeah. were being asked about that. So you were right. causing them to lose focus on the task at hand. Now, credit to them. They haven't lost focus. They've been playing good baseball since then, but it's... Like he's trying to do everything in his power to uh, to discourage people from liking the franchise, specifically because of him. I wonder if it's tied into uh, the to-do happening right now between uh, Angelos, who either once—I I need to read this story before I throw it out here, but there's something going on with the ballpark where there are renovations— that are being suggested and somebody wants a new ballpark. It's probably Angelos who wants the taxpayers to pay for a new ballpark, which wisely taxpayers are probably saying no to right now. So he's throwing it. Baltimore, they've got
1: so many, they've got so much more shit to deal with than that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to pay for a new home for, as you said, somebody who is worth a billion or billions of dollars so that they don't have to finance that
1: thing themselves. No, it's ridiculous. Well, first off, the stadium's ridiculous. That was a beautiful stadium. Maybe, maybe the ball's flying out too much and you're in the AL East and you can't compete, so you, you move it back a little bit. But that left field, have you seen that left field? No. It's 390 feet and it's raised. No, oh, it man. is it is a joke, Trey. Go look at Baltimore's left field because they changed the last couple of years. I mean, come on. Like
0: So it's the opposite I, of uh I was Yankee so glad Stadium. when the Astros right field. took
1: out their their little anthill they had. You know, stop, stop being so cute. It's okay. All ballparks are different. And that's one of the things I like about ballparks. But when you turn it into that, that's jump on the shark.
0: Yeah, it's like the new Yankee Stadium, how short that right yeah. field is.
1: agree Like you tried totally. too hard
0: to get cute here and it's stupid.
1: So the Red Sox, of course, of course it was the Red Sox announcers. This is a couple years ago, went out there and walked it. You know, they claim it's 314. Mm-hmm. And the Red Sox guy claimed it was three oh nine. <laughs> it's probably oh. considering it's a Red Sox. It's probably somewhere in between. But that's that's, yeah. There are guys. There are guys that. Oh, look at Matt Carpenter last year. Look at some of these guys that have made their living off just hitting fly balls out there.
0: Yeah, you just poke a fly ball out to right field, and it turns into a home run half the time.
1: I would say if, a, if you're just your average Joe like us, and you're a lefty, get an aluminum bat and a juiced-up baseball, and that'd be your best shot. Maybe that, and maybe left field in Houston to actually get one out of a major league park during BP. Hmm. If you swing the bat at all.
0: Do you think that, I mean, you would want to warm up a little bit first, obviously, and not go in there cold. But Do, do you I think, think I you can could hit a home run? Yeah, a home run in any major league ballpark, any of the ones that you just mentioned?
1: Absolutely not.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I used to have decent power. I I was not a great baseball player, but I did used to have decent power. It was pull power from the right side of the plate,
1: but no, (laughs) no No. chance. I I think I'd hit some line drives off BP pitching. Okay. I think I could get back into that, but no, no. I mean, I, I hear so many people say, do you think you could score 10 points in an NBA game? Do you think you could hit one out here? Do you think that, what would happen if you went up against an NFL linebacker? Man, there are a lot of, keyboard gangsters (laughs) that think they're much better athletes than than any of us were like because it also changes level to level right Mm -hmm. i mean if you played d2 baseball your brother played what d3 baseball d3 yeah that's impressive but like d3 to single a or even d3 to play in ut he'd be the first to say oh god different level i think there's a lot more levels than a lot than a lot of people want to admit
0: yeah, D3 to D2. And by the way, at D3, this was back during the juicing era. And he did have uh, at least a couple of guys on his team who were taking PEDs at Division three to gain that competitive edge because, well, that's not just the nature of baseball. That's the nature of sports. Yeah,
1: Westlake football wasn't doing that, okay?
0: <laughs> Westlake football wasn't. Uh, Stephenville High School back in Art Briles' <laughs> heyday, Nebraska <laughs> football back in the 1990s. Nobody was cheating.
1: Kevin All right, so there's my baseball take. All right, let me get it out.
0: Speaking of renovations, because we just talked about ballpark renovations, apparently I-35 is in store for some renovations over the next decade. Now, I'm glad you mentioned this story to me because of my busy day, I was going to completely miss it otherwise. But the Texas Department of Transportation's I-35 expansion plan cleared its final hurdle. This would have been yesterday as text. How group, long did it
1: take to get over the hurdle? Because it's I-35. What, 20 minutes?
0: An hour and a half. They they started, <laughs> they started at 3.30 in the afternoon and they finally got where they needed to be uh, by 5 o'clock. But uh, they approved their own finan- or, or final environmental impact statement and released its record of decision to begin construction early next year. Now, this is a... billion plan for the eight-mile stretch of I-35 between U.S. 290 East. So think where Highland Mall is. or I don't even know if it's considered Highland Mall anymore. Think about
1: Pluckers right there off 35 and 290.
0: There you go. Better landmark. Think of the Pluckers right there going all the way down to where I-35 crosses Ben White and Ben White, either... Heads towards 360 or it heads towards the airport one way or the other. Well, that is uh, an eight-mile stretch that is going to get a serious upgrade, even though it is facing uh, quite a bit from critics right now who believe that this isn't actually going to help out with traffic congestion. I see pros and cons to this plan, Kevin, and the cons start with the fact that uh, the taxpayer, uh, Travis County taxpayers, are going to be on the hook for this one in at least some way, shape, or form. And inevitably, this $4.5 billion plan will probably balloon to somewhere closer to 15 to $20 billion before it's all said and done.
1: Of course, yeah. And there's going to be grifting and all that stuff because that's what politicians and that's what these bureaucracies do. So I expect that. We definitely need something. I'm going to do something right now that most listeners have probably never seen an Austinite do. Boredom-raised Austinite. Someone who does have proprietary feelings to this place, and rightfully so. This is on us, y'all. This whole issue is on us. Because we could have done this in the 80s when I think we were passing up federal funds. And our philosophy was, if we don't build it, they won't come. And it would have been a lot easier to get this done. Probably wouldn't have been as expansive as it should have been. But the basic infrastructure to get set up, we just never did. So this is on Austinites. Now, Austin turning into one of the douchebag capitals of the world. That's on y'all, California. OK, uh, that's on all y'all that came in because it was the coolest city in the world 20, 25 years ago. But yeah, no, the infrastructure, that's on us.
0: So there are a couple of aspects of this plan that will probably get the most attention. The first is getting rid of the upper decks, which is part of the plan that I am completely on board with. Every time I'm in that area, I see those stupid upper decks causing confusion. Occasionally, I won't call myself confused, but I decide uh, last minute that I'm going one direction or the other, not screwing anybody in the process, but I'm making a quick decision in doing so. So the upper decks, lower decks, that's going to go away. It's all going to be one level. That's great. The part of the plan that I think will also receive a lot of attention that I am completely opposed to as somebody who understands uh, or has a basic understanding for what good infrastructure looks like, not only in terms of your roads, but also your public transportation system. No, they're not going to put a, uh, a train system Down the spine of I-35 because a healthy train system, Kevin, you know this from living in New York. I know it from living in Chicago. Typically goes down the spine of major thoroughfares to make it easier for people to take the train from point A to point B. They're not going to put a train or trains in the middle of I-35. Instead, we're going to get a bunch more high occupancy vehicle lanes, which don't be surprised if those turn into toll lanes over time.
1: Time for me to get a dummy, huh? dress her up. Oh, no question.
0: If they keep it as HOV lanes and don't turn it into toll lanes, yeah. then yes, you sh- you should definitely well, get some sort of inflatable that makes it look like you, I would put the inflatable in the back seat though. Like you have a, uh, a man child in the back seat or that you're chauffeuring somebody around uh, versus how easy it would be to see said dummy riding shotgun with you.
1: No, I gotta figure it out though. I'm gonna take advantage of 2023, just like I would have if I was a kid now, and I would have half the days off because you know I got gender offended. You know, Miss Smith, I'm gonna have to. I, I've got to take a couple periods. I, I just, I, I, I um, I'm hurt. <laughs> one, can I call you Nancy? Um, no, I can't. All right, um, but I can call you Miss Smith because you go by that. So. I would take advantage of that as a kid, and I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to have it be my, it's my girlfriend. And look, she's not breathing. You can judge me all you want, all right? I have problems getting laid. I have problems talking to real women. She doesn't talk back to me. This is my girlfriend. I treat her as my girlfriend. She goes everywhere with me, like the dog. You think we're we're going to play that off in Austin?
0: I would be much better off with that. Bimbo, who uh, had her fat lab in the middle of the coffee shop, if, if it had been her, uh, her HOV dummy in the middle of the floor versus that poor creature. Who I wish been- you
1: would have gotten her number because maybe I would just call her up and say, hey, you want to go for a ride? I need to get in the fast lane.
0: What does that make you, by the way? If you are attracted to uh, to dolls or attracted attracted to HOV dummies, is that pansexual, asexual? What's the official uh, official ruling there?
1: I don't know. I lost track of all that, and frankly, just didn't care. Um, I mean, do whatever you want. I, consensual adults, I don't give a shit what that you do. Go for it. So I
0: thirty five is supposed to get upgrades. Like I think it'll probably make small differences. Like getting rid of the upper deck, I think will help a little bit. And if the HOV lane turns into a toll rain, lane, well, I know what I'll be doing uh, when I'm having to travel I-35 during the wrong times. I will be paying a little bit of extra money to not sit in traffic. But the toll lanes are also a, uh, a loaded idea too because there were times heading back from our old radio station to Cedar Park where I would see how bad traffic was, hop into the toll lane going north on uh, Mopac, and all of a sudden, I'm at a standstill, too. So essentially, I've just paid money to sit in the same traffic as everybody else.
1: Yeah, during the pandemic, we were on the horn. Remember, we did our show at Onion Creek. Yeah. And so where I live in Hyde Park, I mean, I was just at 35. It's, I avoid it at all costs, but at some time, some point, you just got to do it. But it was empty. It, yeah. was, it, was the, it was the weirdest thing. It brought me back to 1985. And I'm flying by there. Remember I, I a bird ran into my uh, car or SUV and it got caught in the uh, in the vent. Oh so I do the whole show and I'm coming out and this guy I obviously was driving too fast. So wasn't going 100 but I was you know flying because you could. yeah It almost like, oh my god, like a horse that can actually stretch his legs a little bit. And I'm coming out after the show four hours later. These golfers are like, hey man, you know you got a dead bird in your vent here. I'm like what? So that I mean, if a bird hit your car now, it probably wouldn't feel it on I thirty five because you're not moving. Uh, so it was pretty cool to actually deal with that. But I avoid I thirty five at all costs. We we need to do something. I get it. It's just going to be a pain in the ass. But at some point, you just got to do it, right?
0: Yeah, you do, and uh, you hope that the decision-makers who are most responsible for these things make the right yeah. decisions in the process. Like, I, you know, people scoffed at, uh, at the idea to possibly dig a tunnel under I-35 and create a uh, completely different highway system for people who didn't want to stop in the city proper, and I think there may be some credence to that, but I also know that a lot of people who are on I-35, especially during rush hour, live in central Texas. So I don't know how yeah. much that's going to do to uh, help those issues during the highest traffic times.
1: Yeah. That's- but we're talking about an eight mile stretch. So if you do live where my mom does in Taylor or you're or Round Rock or any of these spots North or South of that, which is where a majority of people actually do live, then having them be able to bypass all that would probably help. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that it would help for sure. And I also believe that uh, you have a shortage of good options going east and west. But what you need to do is you need to look at roads that are treated like highways for people getting to and from work and do a, a better job of turning them into highways. Like 360 is maybe the first example that you have to bring up when talking about something like that here in Austin. But I even feel like Palmer Lane West of Mopac now, west and going north of Mopac, is also to a point now, especially with all of the big businesses that are operating uh, on the roadsides there, you've got a couple different Apple campuses. Uh, there's a huge complex where EA Sports is in, a couple of uh, tech companies like that, where you need to consider turning Parmer into something more of a highway and have all those lights, those are underneath the highway to where all of a sudden that's not, uh, that's not affecting traffic on the actual roadway that most everybody is on nearly as badly.
1: You would know you, you would have a better idea certainly up there than I would, but um, yeah, I mean there, the infrastructure has been screwed for a long time and it's a very popular city and it's not going anywhere, which is good for most of us and and whatever industry you're in, it can get annoying, but you know, just don't try and be, you know, 50 years old and acting too hip and on Sixth street all the time. Or listening to music you shouldn't be listening to. I don't know if
0: this is a Cedar Park thing or a text dot thing, but even up here near where I live, like you have the 183 toll road and then old 183, it's now called Bell Road. Like it bends under the highway and then it's I don't know, a quarter of a mile off where the toll road is. But where 180 where where Bell essentially begins and the, the toll road also starts after Lakeline. There aren't access roads right now. It's more like a highway up north, which is took a lot of getting used to, by the way, when I moved out of the state of Texas for the very first time. They don't have access roads in Oregon, in Illinois. You get off the highway, you're, you're maybe going in a completely different direction. But they realize the need for access roads along this toll road. So the three-mile stretch or so that doesn't have access roads right now, they are in the process of, they've already planned it, so they're about to break down to put those access roads in, which I think is going to help the traffic flow in this, this area even more too. They need that more of that sort of thinking. It's not a problem right now, although Bell Road is a, a little bit of a mess when you're talking about afternoon drive time, but it's not as big of a clusterfuck as I-35 is at this current juncture, so they're trying to get ahead of it unlike uh, unlike TechStot and city decision-makers and state decision-makers who have continued uh, to push this up the road for decades now to where the problem is extremely out of hand and whatever solutions you're about to try and implement with a decade's worth of construction is only going to do so much to help out.
1: Yeah, and like you brought up earlier, I think a lot of us just always kind of wonder where that money's really going and how on the up and up it is. I know I know we still had it's a there's no time stamp on it. We'll get to that story at some point um that had my dad crying laughing um anything else you want to get to here? We'll get to that later at some point
0: I'm just gonna preface it with this. not all guys and not all husbands are Neanderthals, but when I act like a Neanderthal as a guy and a husband, I gotta call myself out for it. Yep. So you're just going to have to stay tuned for Thursday at noon to find out more. That's when I will be speaking once again with my best friend, Kevin Dunn. KD, thank you as always. Thank you for watching and listening. If you're watching on YouTube right now and you have not already, please do subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered channel and click that thumbs up button. If you liked this show, Chip and Zay, Midday with Trey and BK. All three shows a part of this live stream over the last four hours. We will talk to you tomorrow, beginning bright and early at eight a.m. with Trey and BK. As a matter of fact, Ooh, and BK okay. and Wags in the early afternoon, and Chip and Zay after that. For Kevin Dunn, I am trailing. Have yourself we have a great clouds. Rest of the day. We have clouds. We have cloud cover. People are saying that there's rain in the Austin area. I will believe oh, that gosh. when I see it. But, Uh hey, there was a lot of wind when I was picking the kids up at school a little bit earlier. It felt glorious. I mean, it was like, you know, it was 98 blowing on my face. Doesn't sound good coming out of my mouth, nor does that. But it was a hell of a lot better than 107 and nothing.
1: Y'all have a good one. Take care. Peace.